Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Uh, Pete, you and I both had a little bit of wine, uh, either during or whatever. <laughs> the Two and five will drive you to drinking, man. <laughs> oh, man. If two and five sounds, I think, way worse than it actually is. Yes. Yes and no. Channeling my inner Darius, right? <laughs> so, like, I I I do believe in the old Bill Parcells adage of you are what your record says you are. Um, The Lakers have also been, every loss has been against a team that made the playoffs last year. Every game has been close Mm -hmm. that they've lost. They have not been going out there being, God, this team looks awful. They've got like, they've got huge flaws. Don't get me wrong, but they're not getting waxed. And, you know, like Cleveland last year at the beginning, beginning and way into December and all that, they were getting crushed. That hasn't happened to the Lakers yet. Um, I have concerns. I have issues. I also, I mean, how often have you and I been saying, like, Lakers are going to start slow? Yep. And this is what starting slow looks like. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be three and four right now instead of two and five. And if a couple they of plays. could very well be. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, LeBron hits a free throw or two at the end of the San Antonio game after being great in the fourth quarter. You know, he was awful in overtime. Just things like that go the other way. They could be, you know, but you've often brought this up, the NFL comparison, right? Like, they could be three and one right now, but they're one and three. Like, it's it's easy to do that. In basketball, it's a little less critical because there are so many more games. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, frustration with how it's ended aside, especially when it ends like the same way every mm-hmm. time. This is about what I've ex- what I expected in the first part of this season. I'm frustrated, but I, I don't think I'm as frustrated as most Laker fans are right now. I want to know, like, if I if if I'm capable of not being frustrated right now. Like, I don't know how much of that has to do with uh, understanding where we were coming from last year. Like, a 2-5 and five start last year meant you kind of like, well, there went the season. <laughs> I, don't see, I don't see them digging themselves out of a hole over the last five years. This year, like, a 2-5 and five start, I kind of just, I'm, I'm able to look at the, the entire situation and be able to just kind of say, well, all right, well, this, here's where they need to improve. And there are very way, easy ways to get to that improvement. What we're going to talk about today are a few of the spots where, the, in regards to the actual roster, we don't see or I don't see as clear paths to improving in, in a couple regards. And then we're going to have a larger kind of conversation about Luke Walton there at the very end because... Of course, seven games in, we're <laughs> we're talking about firing a coach. Uh, so that's kind of where where this show is going to go. And and look, when it comes to you know LeBron playing poorly down the stretch, because he did, like he, he he had that one turnover. He's had more non-LeBron turnovers or not LeBron-esque turnovers down the stretches of these games, or 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 certain sets where like he either misreads how long it's going to take him to get into a move or or how long it's going to take the Lakers to get into a set whatever it might be this like LeBron down the stretches of these games I'm not as worried about that as this whole triumvirate of Ingram Kuzma and LeBron and that's where I want to start and we'll we'll see how long into the second segment this takes us to but it concerns me that 
three of the guys who we see as maybe the most productive players all seem to play the same position. And and it's hard to find minutes for all three of those guys. They tried the starting lineup yesterday, and we'll get into that specifically here in a second. But with those three guys, I've always kind of maintained you get as many really switchy wings and you try to make it work as best you can. It's only one game in, but what did you see from those three guys starting the game together? I mean, unfortunately, Ingram's foul trouble prevented us from getting a ton of of those minutes. Um, I used to dislike the Julius Randle, Larry Nance combo as a four five, because you got a lot of the bad stuff of going small without the the good mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Cause neither guy could shoot. One of my concerns is if you're going to have Ingram at the two, that's a big lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got with Lonzo as a point guard. He's a big point guard. Yep. Why is that lineup so bad at rebounding? <laughs> like the thing about both Kuzma and Ingram is they should be better rebounders than they are. And Ingram was great last night. He hit three spot up threes. Mm-hmm. He was, but he did most of his damage when LeBron was not in the game. Weird how and that that's works. notable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did a hell of a lot of damage. He had like 17 points in like the seven and a half minutes. He played without LeBron in mm-hmm. the first half. But the biggest issue on this team right now and issues are on the defensive end. And the biggest issue on the defensive end is their defensive rebounding Mm -hmm. 20 offensive boards given up to to minnesota that's happened a couple of times not 20 but that being the biggest issue we should be killing teams on the defensive glass like javel does not have as much in the back pocket as brooke lopez who is a fantastic box out type of guy even if he wasn't getting the rebound but Guys, like, like, what is Lonzo doing getting one rebound in 24 minutes? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about him in the whole con. I, I, I saw a lot of people last night really frustrated at his lack of minutes. I'm, like, one of the biggest Lonzo stands that you'll find, and I was totally fine with him yeah, not playing more because he, like, he played like crap. Yeah. And, like, I get that it's it's weird with more ball handlers and LeBron and Rondo and all of that. That doesn't stop you from getting one rebound in 24 minutes. Yeah. Lonzo's the kind of guy, excuse my French, that makes shit happen. Yeah. And he can do that, getting scoring four points a game and be friggin' great. Mm-hmm. And I will praise him for that. But – I, I see all of this stuff about the, the quick substitutions and things like that. Like that doesn't prevent him from dropping down and getting a rebound and, and helping out on towns who had like what, 10 offensive rebounds, nine or 10 last yep. night, you know, like, like do those things and he'll be on the court. He's not going to get that many shots up and touches when you've got Kuzma and Ingram and LeBron in the starting lineup. That's all right. He can still be, that's part of what I like about him is he can be great yeah. and take four shots in a game. He was not that guy last night. So when you've got, Size at the point guard position, size at the two, size at the three, and none of them are rebounding at their position. Like overall, I think the lineup's got potential, but they need to board a lot better than they have. The way I kind of phrased it last night in watching it, Harrison and I watched the game and I pointed this out to him. Remember last year, it was a lot of tipping to players and they ignited the break off of tips on defensive rebounds. And this year I see a lot more guys just kind of jumping aimlessly with their hands up in the air, hoping to catch a rebound. And you guys, you have guys like bumping into each other. You have guys like if they do get a rebound, it's like the, the 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 lack of communication or the slow communication of like okay you head out or I'll there's a hit ahead pass over here it, it just hasn't looked smooth and I I think those things will get better as the season goes along but the way I phrased it last night is that 
like they're rebounding a lot more selfishly. It, it it's 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 a stat that they're looking for. It's it's I if I get the rebound here, maybe that gets me more playing time, and that sometimes can be like the downside of such a deep team. Is guys start thinking. Well, hey, how how am I going to start? How am I going to get the minutes? How am I going to get the right minutes with the right teammates? How am I going to do all these things? Well, the best way to do that is with counting stats. And I, I, I don't think, well, I know that that isn't the best way to do it for the team. I just don't know how long it's going to take for guys to realize, like, no, no, no it's, it's about how they look collectively, not how, they're, not how their numbers look individually. I think that that is what a young player generally in terms of this is gonna like I, I'm gonna go straight to the box score and Alonzo's never been that type of guy. He's always been praised yeah. as a guy that's gonna make the right play, as evidence not by necessarily his rebound, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but I, that's not how basketball people think. That's not how like coaches and and like if you're out there making good plays, like yeah, you you can talk kind of in shorthand in terms of ports, points and rebounds and things like that. But when like guys are like tipping the ball or getting a good box out in like Luke Walton's going to notice that the coaching staff is yeah. going to notice that they're not going to be, Oh, you only grabbed one rebound in 24 minutes. Right. If Lonzo was like, was doing those other things and making plays happen and get, but another guy got credited for the stat. Like I would be the first person to credit him for that, but he wasn't doing that either. Yeah. And like, nobody does. It's, it's, it's really frustrating to watch him play. <laughs> they just, it, kinda... it is. It's it starts with like the Lakers have no size, man. Like yeah. even JaVale and JaVale's got his flaws and he's got some things and he's been wonderful mm-hmm. throughout the season. But he's really thin, man, and he's so tall. He's got such a high center of gravity. Watch what other bigs do to him simply from a physical perspective. And that's just how he's built. That's not JaVale's fault, yeah. right? But then they go to Jonathan Williams, who would have been like frame. the size of a three, like five years ago, yeah. right? And now he's your backup five. Like he should not be as dependent on as he is. They're mm-hmm. waiting for Wagner to get back and they got high hopes for him. But I would even argue that like depending on a guy like that, like to me, if Wagner plays well, that's frosting on the cake. That's great. It's extra. Mm-hmm. But depending on your 25th pick in the draft who missed most of the summer league, all of the preseason, all of training camp and the first few games to be the saving grace as your backup <laughs> five, it's bad process. I hope like hell it works out, but it's bad process. You, uh, you use my, you use mention, you mentioned process there. I didn't do that. That was, I did not feed you the word process that's why i've always harped on it is that yes they've come to great results obviously signing lebron is about as great a result as you can hope for but the process that that they took to get there i've had a little issues with and and if you continue to get rewarded for bad process well then you're going to continue to continue that bad process and and you wind up relying on a number 25 pick who haven't, we haven't seen in like six months to save your season. Uh, we're going to take a quick second, and when we come back, we didn't really we'll, – we'll hit on the starters, and we'll see what we think about that moving forward, if that's something that Luke Walton should stick with or whatever. Uh, so we'll get to that here in a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag has been incredible to us and to me in being able to – wager if i if i wanted to go out there and if i if i had a bet that i i trusted out there uh that i felt confident enough with to put my hard-earned money down on the line i I know that i can do that with my bookie and know that if that bet turns out the way i hope it does that 
I'm going to get that money back and then I'm going to be able to collect my winnings because that's really the entire point here, right? They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use. So if you aren't at home and you want to place one of those bets, you can take care of that as well. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code Locked On, and they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000 100%. Again, that is a full match of your first deposit if while you're setting up your profile, you enter the promo code locked on, they'll match that. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. We just finished talking about process. And I think if if Walton was to go away from the starting lineup after one game, that would not be good process. I, we need to see even and I, it's not even a matter yeah. of like what I saw from them or what I'd like to see from them, whatever. One game isn't enough to and now the opposite of that is like Byron saying you had to in every 10 games. We'll, we'll, we'll take we'll rethink this after every right. 10 game allotment. But I would be a little disappointed if they if they already if they just ditched this long, big starting five after one game. Yeah, they need to. They need some continuity, man. Yeah. Between Lonzo's injury and how slow it was for him getting back, mm-hmm. and then the suspensions, it's been this like wild, you know, like in and out. And that being said, Luke has to strike the balance between finding consistency, but also finding the lineups that work. Yeah. Like he, he played 25 five man groups last night. Yeah. That's too many, man. That's just yeah. too many different groups. I understand they want to play fast and they want to like play really hard for five, six minutes. You come out, you be out for a couple minutes, then you're back in. Right. But give me that. Like, that's very, I mean, in high school teams that press those, that's very much the mentality. There was a lot of talk yesterday about Lonzo individually not being able to get into a rhythm with the substitution patterns. I would argue that it's more five man unit problem than it is specific to players. Absolutely. Because like different guys have different skill sets, right? So Mm -hmm. if you've got like the lineups changing, if 25 sub different lineups in 48 minutes is a lineup every two minutes, even even a little more than that, you know? And, 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 the thing is, the way that the Lakers want to play, it'd be one thing if it was a very strict, rudimentary, you go here, I go here, I go there, you go there kind of thing. But it's a lot of playing off of each other. It's a rhythmic offense. It's a lot of ball movement and player movement and all of these things. And if they're getting two or three minutes at a time together, how are they going to learn to play off of each other? It just Those two things can't, can't be going on at the same time. That's that's a great point. And and the problem is is if you are going to stick with some continuity, say reduce that a number of lineups, I'd argue by half. So let's say you got 12, 12 lineups or so over the course of a of a you know 48 minute game. Mm-hmm. You Walton is going to have to select who is a part of that and who isn't. Like he needs to find his core 8 core nine and then his core, like I'm starting the game with these guys and I'm finishing with others. The thing about that, and I have a question for you is, is there anybody on the roster that deserves to close games regardless of how they play? So say the last six minutes of a game, Mm -hmm. regardless of how they played in the first 42 minutes outside of LeBron James. No, 
Like you played like crap for 42 minutes, but we trust you enough to close this out. No, I don't know. There's nobody because even like you might say JaVale, right? But if it's if if they're going up against a team that you can run with, then I wouldn't want JaVale out there. I, I would want the the the. I guess whatever the the small the death lineup is for the Lakers, like there's uh, Suicide Squad, man. Yeah. They're getting they're killing themselves. Yeah, um, <laughs> so Javale is actually a good point in that, like. I'd actually like to see JaVale close some of these games. Luke never closes with a conventional big. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see him out there in more of these situations than he has been. Um, I I don't remember offhand if he closed last night's game. But that's been something that he's been out. And there's such a drop off at the five spot when he goes out that I would argue that the Lakers need to have him in. And he would be the second guy. But but everybody else, like Alonzo, Kuz, Ingram, all of those guys, like I, I don't think there's anyone there that deserves to play no matter what they're at. And, and maybe, maybe I'm just being, being too harsh on that, but they got to perform in those 42 minutes leading up to that. They do. And now I, I think, I think there should be a pool of players that Walton can select from there. Like I'd be a little concerned if he finished a game with Jonathan Williams. Right. 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 So, so what does that pool look like? So I, I think that, I think that pool looks like either one of Rajon Rondo and Lonzo ball. Preferably Lonzo because he's better defensively and and like they could have used his defense out there last night. Not to say that he deserved by any means to be out there, but his length might have affected a shot or two every so often. Sure, uh, I, I think it right now KCP isn't in that pool. I would put Josh Hart in that pool. Uh, obviously Ingram Kuzma. And then the guys that we talked about, JaVale and, and LeBron. I, there's like seven guys that I would say those are the guys that you have to figure out over the course of the game who has what finished with those guys. I would agree with that. And and maybe KCP works his way back into it. But for right now, he's just the poor guy, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're going to no, get 30 needs, for 30 on a missing person thing. Yeah, he's he's way in his head right now. Yeah. And he's not only like, he's not even in the rotation right now. If Ingram's yeah. not in foul trouble last night, I'm not sure if he even plays. Yeah. So I, I don't know. He's, that's been one encouraging thing has been like, Luke has gone away from that. We talked about this last week um, where KCP has definitely earned the role that he's in. Unfortunately. <laughs> and, yeah. and injuries and foul trouble and things like that will give him opportunities to get out of it. But but man, has he been bad? Yeah, it's been it's been tough to watch. All right, we're gonna finish uh, we're gonna finish this off with a conversation about Luke Walton here in a second. So hang tight. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Metro Infinity. They're located at 821 East Central Avenue in Monrovia, California, just off the 210. They're in Monrovia. They're the number one volume dealer in California. They've been in business and family run and operated for over 25 years. And if you mention Locked On, they'll give you an extra $500 off of any purchase. Again, that's $500 off of any purchase that you make just so long as you mention Locked On. They're supporting Locked On Lakers, Locked On Rams, all of the local teams out here, and that's just incredible support. Uh, So they take pride in not being your typical car dealer where it takes hours to buy a car, they don't play games, and they want customers to get a luxury car buying experience while they purchase some nice luxury cars. They have new and used models, so go check them out. They have a brand new million, multi-million dollar facility. Uh, you can also give them a call at 626-599-7510 or go on MetroInfinity.com. Uh, again, go check them out. Mention Locked On Lakers, and let's get back to the show. 
So I think there are two ends of the spectrum here. On If you're pro-Luke, the end of the spectrum, the far end of that spectrum is this is an extremely flawed roster. There is nothing this guy to do to that this guy could do to make that work. The under the other end of that spectrum is this team has LeBron James. It has a lot of young talent. There is a ro- rotation to be found there, but he isn't finding it right now. We're I, I would imagine we're both somewhere in the middle. I don't know which way which way on that spectrum would you lean though? Or are you smack dab in the middle? <laughs> I don't think I'm in the middle on this. I think I'm more toward a I don't think Luke is that important on this team. Mm-hmm. Um you know, managing rotations and personalities and all of that. I think this is a team that, for one, I think the the roster is pretty, pretty flawed. Mm-hmm. And when I said Luke's not that important, that would be in terms of giving credit as well. Yeah. Like we, we credited him, him, I think, properly for pulling KCP for the lineup and reducing his minutes. But all in all, how this team goes, I don't think Luke Walton's going to be terribly influential mm-hmm. on that. Nor do I think most coaches would. Yeah. I think that's part of what comes with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And like this is LeBron's to own. Uh, good or bad. He hasn't been good enough down the stretch of games, his defense and his effort level, like just his body language last night, man, for most of that game. And he's always going to put up his 27 and nine and eight and all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like th- he, he will get there no matter what, but the, there was a life to last year's team that they're struggling to recapture. I don't think that's a coach's job necessarily. I think there's like a joy of basketball that comes from camaraderie and it's within the players that they're, they're losing that. So if, you know, if this all goes to hell and Luke ends up getting let go or whatnot, I'm not going to like shed a tear or anything that, Oh, this is so unfair for Luke Walton. I'm also not going to give him a ton of credit if, and when it starts to turn good, but yeah, I, I lean way more toward the, this is a player's issue than Luke. How about you? I, I I feel the same way, and actually, I wouldn't. I obviously wouldn't shed a tear. But if Luke Walton was let go, I, I really think that the front office screwed him with this roster. I mean, we talk. Look, if I was to go down concerns that I have with this roster that that can't be fixed with this personnel, number one on that list is. You have JaVale McGee, and if he doesn't have 31 productive minutes, then your center spot looks like a, a disaster. And and the thing that I'm noticing, and this is one of the, you know, this is a trend that I think we're going to notice over the course of the year, is before the year we were told, hey, there aren't that many big centers. There aren't that many guys who are going to go out there and give a, a non-traditional center issues. But what we're finding out is, if you're big, you're going to give the Lakers issues. Like, Carl Anthony Towns, by no stretch of the imagination, have I ever thought of him as some kind of bruiser. I, I've always thought he was, he was really skilled. I think he's insane. I'm not going <laughs> to use the adjective that I would use when I watch him play. But he looked like Wilt Chamberlain out there. He was pushing everybody underneath. And the Lakers have played an unusual number of pretty talented bigs early yeah. on with Aldridge twice mm-hmm. and Cat and Jokic. Yep. Um, but yeah, like those big bodies are going to give them issues. Plumlee looked like a god. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's a problem when guys like that like yeah. start to give you a hard time. The one thing I will say, so I, I agree on the roster construction. I don't want to completely absolve Luke, though, in that. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. You know, and I know that's not what you're doing, but mm-hmm. I do think that it's necessary to point out where I think he's 
not measuring up. We already talked about the way too many lineups, 25 in a game. That's just too much. Even with foul trouble, that's just, that's, that's just no. Yeah. That, Second, that screamed to me of just pressing. <laughs> like, I, I don't He's searching. He was searching for he, something. Well, right? not, not just searching, but I don't know if. Look, one of the things that I've kind of heard about Luke Walton is that he he is aware of the political stuff that you and I have talked about. He isn't Magic Johnson's guy and he isn't LeBron James guy and that he's he is it's not to say that it forces his hand in certain situations so that he he coaches as such, but he's aware of what's going on there and and when I watch him just continually throw mud at the wall and hope something sticks, that that to me was somebody who knows he has to start winning soon or else dot, dot, dot. It's a little desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to say with that was the Lakers for as fast as they play in transition, their half court offense. So for one, I don't think the Lakers are poorly coached on defense. I think they overhelp, but I think that a lot of that's players. That's LeBron sagging into the paint, being lazy. Mm-hmm. And a few other guys have done that as well. Lonzo isn't nearly what he was last year on the defensive end. I think he's still getting his defensive timing back. Right. So I'm not, I don't have complaints really with Luke on the defensive end, but in half court offense, watch how they set screens. Yeah. Watch how, Guys come off of screens. Watch how guys cut. Kuzma's the only guy who knows how to, who can do it instinctually. But the reason I put that on Luke is that is a degree of an attention to detail. So say, say we're running that stagger set that they like to run for their corner shooters, usually KCP, but they've been running it for other guys. Now that KCP's not playing, right? You got two guys setting a screen. Now it's one thing to run that as a coach. Say this is the player we're going to call. What are the teaching points within that? What are the important parts? How do you go about making contact on the first screen on a stagger screen? One of the things that you coach is you don't want the guys standing directly behind each other visa versus the path that the shooter's taking. Mm -hmm. Meaning that you want one guy slight if you want the to force the defender to go under that, you want the second screener to be a little bit higher. Yep. Right? Rather than right behind, because there's no use if both guys are right behind each other. Watch how they set that stagger screen. Both guys are right behind each other. It's basically like one long screen. So if the defender takes the route correctly over it, he's not going to get hit by that second screen. Mm -hmm. Attention to detail like that. How do you read when you split those two screens, when you cut off of that? What footwork do you use off of that? That's where coaching comes into play. It's not just X's and O's and lines and and all that on a posy board. It's actual in real time decisions. Are you teaching young players how to how to make the reads and what is the most efficient footwork and, and moves to to do that? It's been three years now, and I haven't seen improvement on that. And I put that on Luke. Watch over the course of games how often two guys cut to the same spot and just kind of bump into each other. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing. I'm yep. sitting there, like, especially if, 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 like, LeBron has a ball in the pinch post and two guys bump into each other heading towards the basket, like, that's a criminal offense. That's Because yeah. <laughs> that means you're bringing in two extra defenders. That means one fewer shooter potentially out on the perimeter. That means LeBron isn't going to be able to turn and, and, and be effective in against his own guy. It just completely torches the play, and that's doing stuff without the – like, that's without defense affecting how, how you ran that play. Yeah. That was literally you just yeah. taking a shotgun and shooting your left foot off. 
And, and to me, that speaks to not having principles in place. If like calling, call them if then read and react type of principles, mm-hmm. right? What that is, is that's two guys trying to make a play, right? That's good. You, your players are being proactive and whatnot, but like, for example, on dribble penetration to the baseline, the guy on the weak side wing is supposed to drop to the corner. The guy who's in the dunker spot, your big, is supposed to tee up, so get to the front of the rim. There are Those things aren't being coached, right? Like, like who cuts and when are things that you can plan for. Like, when a guy drives to the from the wing, when a guy drives from the corner, from up top, etc. And those dribble penetration principles, when two guys are running into each other, they're either not being coached on the principles or they're ignoring those. And it's happened for long enough over the course of enough different players from mm-hmm. a personnel standpoint to where to me, that's a coaching issue because it can't be. Everybody's doesn't know how to do this and just isn't listening. And if, if, if Luke can't get that many guys to listen to him, that's a problem too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, rotations to me, I got, I, I've learned that, there are two kind of trigger words in analysis from from more casual fans. Uh, in 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 all of sports, it's if something is going wrong that you don't like or you haven't been able to predict it, it's analytics or running awry, <laughs> right? Where it's just oh, they're shooting too many threes. That's analytics. Like well, no, that's that's whatever. Fine, you know that's like the that's sports equivalent of fake news at this point. And then the other thing, too, that I've noticed with the Lakers specifically is rotations, 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 rotations. Yes, last night or, or in, in the game Monday night was way too many lineups. But if you're if you're only if your only knock on Luke Walton is rotations, well, you're ignoring a ton of context at this point. <laughs> like, like Those rotations are thrown all over the place because guys have missed either time in training camp, guys have been suspended, whatever. They're trying to find all these things out. And, and the way I put it last night when I was talking to Harrison was I'd be concerned if it was still a rigid rotation at this point, like I'd be concerned if if they were if they were doing the just banging their head up against the wall with the same rotation with the same minute allotment, and they were coming to the same result over and over and over again. I want I want Luke Walton to go out there and mess with the starting lineup to see if he can get a few more minutes of Kyle Kuzma and LeBron together. I want him to mess with the lineup and see if Lonzo Ball. And Rajon Rondo can play at the same time because KCP has been such a disaster. That stuff I don't have a problem with. But the stuff that you're talking about is a completely different thing. And that's a trend that predates this specific roster. Absolutely. Like, I, I get that the Lakers, I, we've always known that the Lakers were going to start slow like this. And part of it is going to be figuring out what works and what doesn't. Because LeBron completely changes the ecosystem mm-hmm. of the Lakers. It's not like they carried forward from last year's team and added a, you know, complimentary piece here and there. It's a different team fundamentally now. And they've got to use this first part of the season for that. It's the other stuff that, to me, like the verdict is in on those things. I, I think Luke is probably an average to below average coach overall. Uh, I, I don't know if they're great difference maker out there to replace him. Like to me, you know, and, and I know I'm being premature with the should Luke Walton be replaced at some point soon type thing. But to me, there's nobody like, there's not much in the way of better options no. on the market, you know, and 
if you're going to do something like that, it needs to be in the off season. In my opinion, I don't think there's much benefit in letting him go mid season. If it comes to that point, but like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah, like Luke's like average, slightly below average NBA coach. I don't think he impacts the game that much positively or negatively. He does some things well, some things poorly. And at the end of the day, I think he's like, eh, he's just kind of there. Yeah. Which makes him a pretty good LeBron coach. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that you would that's think? part of that's part of it. It was like get the hell out of the way and and you know, help. but that said, if we are going to take it from that perspective, things need to fall on LeBron's shoulders. Yeah. He can't simultaneously do that and then absolve himself of Yeah. of any responsibility in that. He's he's figuring out what he has and he is going to be much better than he's been so far, I think. Um but at the end of the day, like this is LeBron's team and he needs to one, one of the things and I forgive me for framing it as Kobe versus LeBron and all of that, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like there go my mentions. Kobe Kobe took the brunt of the blame when it was deserved. Kobe was out front of stuff for good or for bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he can, you know, he can exaggerate the good that he did, but he was always there to be the guy that got blamed. Even when Shaq was around during that time, Kobe was the guy who got blamed. I think he was more able to do it early than he was late, like late in his career. (laughs) When Byron was around, like it was just kind of. No, it wasn't going to happen. That, that was a farewell tour. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like that wasn't Kobe, like Kobe, Kobe anymore. Yeah. Like LeBron is still a bad MFer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When Kobe was still that, he was, he largely took those on. Now, did guys like Mike Brown and Mike Dean get sacrificed along the way <laughs> in that? Yes. But I, if this is going to be LeBron's team, the way that we're and he needs to take ownership of it. Yeah, that was that was my one because I was tasked with writing about his LeBron's. What was it? You don't want to be here. You don't want to be around when I run out of patience. Thing, right? Right. I I was I wrote about that, and my thing was okay. But where's the patience with yourself? Like, oh, where when 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 you're going out there and and because obviously when he talks about patience and you don't want to be around when i run out of patience okay that's definitely mentioning a certain faction of the roster a a, a portion of the roster but where's the where's are are you are you going to remain patient with the poor shot selection the in 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 the case of the san antonio game the missed free throws the unforced errors of dribbling the ball off your foot like those things are are you are you factoring that into the entirety of of the point that you're making and and patience and all of these things or did that just not happen (laughs) so let's talk about that idea i know we're going a little long but let's talk about that idea of patience real quick is to me they're not playing with enough urgency yeah if they were playing with urgency and making mistakes, like, so for example, the two guys cutting to one spot type of thing from strictly a player perspective, I, I don't mind that. Like make errors of commission, not omission, right? Mm-hmm. Two guys are trying to make a play. They're helping on defense other, some right? time. And- right, right. Like you were putting too much effort into something, but you made the wrong decision. And so you've left a guy open, right? Two guys go to help one guy, mm-hmm. leaving another guy open. Those are the types of things that you can be patient on. When you aren't playing hard, you aren't crashing down onto the defensive boards, you're not rotating. There shouldn't be a single drop of patience for that. Yeah. Play with urgency. And then the mistakes that come from your lack of familiarity, have patience with those, but not, not the lethargy that I've been seeing. Yeah. I think when I, 
I didn't write this in the article, but when he was talking about patience, because he had just finished talking about how he's liked a lot of the things that Luke Walton has tried to do and that he understands why Luke Walton is trying certain things. I thought the not just the the con, the context under which the question was asked because he was like legitimately asked a question about his specific leadership and patience and how he how he balances those two things. So that in and of itself was important to 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 recognize in in that sense there too. But I thought it was also kind of telling that because, look, this idea that that LeBron James doesn't have ideas for how he wants to see the Lakers close games or certain sets that they run as they try to close games, lineups, whatever it is, uh, how they match up defensively, whatever, whatever. However, the Lakers finish these games, because that specifically has been, I think, the number one thing that people are frustrated about is is how they're finishing these games. He definitely has thoughts on it. And I kind of wonder if if it's a matter of, oh, I have patience, but let's it, it will run out at a certain point where we are, are continually to trying new and new and new things versus, hey, I have these ideas on what we can do here. Let me just give my two cents a little bit louder. Do you... I would imagine that LeBron is already influential in those oh, things yeah. and, that, and that he's like him and Luke have been yeah. collaborative I, in I, that. I think, but I think it's, it's, it's I, right now it's collaborative. I'm saying when his patience runs out, he'd be like, no, man. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my way. <laughs> yeah. There's no collaboration. When, when, when that, when his patience runs out, because again, he had just finished talking about Luke Walton and, and yes, it was a question that he was answering there, but I couldn't help but notice one followed the other. And when when if he's talking about because he has helped put together the roster right outside of the kids, uh, he has he, he probably wants his guys finishing with him. And I think at some point he's just going to say, "Look, we tried with these kids." I want Lonzo to to succeed, but he's floating out there. I want Brandon Ingram to succeed, but it just doesn't seem to work between the two of us. Here are the guys that I want to roll with. Right now, he's kind of he has that inclination, but I don't think he's fully putting his foot down. I think when he runs out of patience, he's going to put his foot down, and those guys that he wants to finish with are the ones who are going to be finishing. Do you have any feel for what the timeline is on that? Like, like when do they need to reach a certain? level by i guess i think it i think that mid november as, as you think about that i think mid perspective i think, think mid mid november like like thanksgiving as we near december if the lakers continue to have these issues of closing these games out like that it, it, it he mentioned it specifically we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result and I, I wonder if he's talking about there, if he's talking about testing out different guys and different lineups in those situations, or if he's just saying, look, every team that I've been on had the five guys that we finished with, and that's what I want to get back to. I, I don't know this f- per se, but I'm just trying to go off of what he's done in the past. And, and that's fair. I guess my one bit of perspective is – we're recording this episode on October 30th, mm-hmm. and the first preseason game was exactly one month ago today. Mm-hmm. We are so caught up in the day-to-day and moment-to-moment, you know, workings of the Lakers, myself more than, <laughs> than anyone, that we can lose the perspective of how long it's actually been. I, 
I would give him to like the end of November. Mm-hmm. I know that the fires will burn pretty hot if it's <laughs> yeah. not you know, even before then. But I, I, I do think we need to keep in mind how little time they have spent together so far. I, I wonder, uh, this is a completely off the cuff uh, concept here, but like, I wonder how far under 500 recent playoff teams have gotten in the West. Like that seems like information that LeBron would probably have. And I don't think he wants to dip too far below that that record number. Utah was like 15 or 17 games below 500. This yeah. is off the top of my head. I may be wrong, but I know they were way below 500, but they got go bare back, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the caveat to that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I feel like we'll see LeBron try and turn it up. It, like my point of being concerned will be when LeBron James puts his foot on the gas pedal and it's still like a, te- a tepid type of like they're barely above 500 yeah. in that stretch of time. So, you know, it's irritating, but they've been in all of these games against playoff teams. LeBron is still very much coasting and figure out who he has. But I, I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, I, I still think so, too. But I wish I felt better about, like, where the solutions they, they seem to think are coming from. Like, the fact that they think Bogner mm. is going to be the beginning of the solution, yeah. that makes me nervous. That, I, and that's totally fair, man. That's totally fair. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Lakers podcast. If the Lakers go out and win <laughs> Wednesday night, <laughs> I'll just come back here and, and they'll be championship bound again. They better win on Wednesday night. They got friggin' Dallas at yeah. home. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, and and this is what we've been saying a ton, is that they've lost to good teams. They'd handled Phoenix. They need to handle Dallas. They they just do. That'll do it, though, for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Pete, for hopping on. Uh, This was a little bit longer, given the the, the amount of stuff that that we're going to talk about, but we'll uh, we'll see where this goes on from from this point forward. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys after the game tomorrow, being Wednesday, uh, after the Lakers hopefully beat Dallas.